Hey man, and welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show meant for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of your hosts of this show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, as always, Kellen Allen. Oi. Go for that one. Oi. Oi. Is that Yiddish? No. Portuguese. Portuguese. How do you spell oi? O-I. Oi. Oi. And it means hello? It's like oi matey. I don't I just made that one up. I don't know if it means matey. That. I'm pretty sure matey is not Portuguese. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's pirate. And uh, uh, I was watching uh, a pirate show with my kids, so maybe that's fresh on my mind. Oi, matey. Yeah, all those pirates. Oh, Portuguese pirates. So don't go to anybody there. and think you're going to speak Portuguese and say oi, matey. So just say oi and stop there. That's an that's, uh, informal way of saying hi. Or if you don't speak Portuguese, just, just say, don't. yo, what's up? Yeah, and hey. let them figure it out. I'm waiting for yo one of these days, and I'll get that one because that's Philly. That is the language of Philadelphia right there. Uh, Yo. I mean, living in New York, you'll get people that want to claim it. Well, okay, it's fine. Northeast, right? Northeast. We'll, yeah. we'll go there. Yeah. That's too simple. You'll get that. Yeah, that was my pre, pre-Christ state was when I lived in Philadelphia. <laughs> and then I was saved in Texas. So there when I get to heaven, my eternal passport, because we have those, um, is going to have the, the stamp of Texas for my place of birth With the little Dallas Cowboys symbol on the bottom corner? Uh, maybe not the Cowboys. No. Maybe the Rangers. Okay. Um, right. Since I'm more of a, a baseball guy than a, a football guy. Either way, either team hasn't won in a while. So yeah, and speaking of which, it's uh, a good seg- that's a good natural dude, segue. In we didn't even plan that. No, and now we're ruining it by talking about it. Yeah, but that's okay. Oh well, that's, that's all what right. We do here. Sports, man. It's been it's been a long time since we've had sports. Long time. And even though there are these leagues that are like, yeah, we're coming back, we're playing. Like the the NBA has said they're coming back. Yeah. The, the WNBA. Oh, I, I haven't heard that. Are they coming back? They're coming back. But Yay. But we're talking sports, okay. right? So sports are coming back, and we just lost any like female <laughs> listeners so that true, we, yeah. we thought we... There you go. It's quality manhood, right? So the NBA is coming back. The NHL is coming back. NASCAR is already back. Yeah. Um, baseball can't get their act together, and so they keep arguing back and forth between players and owners whether or not they're going to come back. Right. I love it how the first sport to come back was UFC. So the one that touches and right. like coughs and <laughs> breathes and sweats and bleeds on each other, they're yeah. like, we're going to start to charge. We'll come back. Right. And then... Right. Other sports are like, well, we, we, we won't just yet. Yeah. Yeah. NASCAR is like the, the one sport that is super isolated. They're right. in cars and driving around <laughs> and they're like, hey, we're back. Yeah. But sports aren't here. And, and man, I'll, I'll tell you what, I love sports. And I think I've talked about that on this uh, podcast before. Kellen, you're the same way too. Right. I mean, it's something that before Christ for us was certainly even an idol in our lives that uh, we just were consumed with stats and teams and records and you know, watching all the games that we could watch and everything else. And, and even as Christians, we enjoy to watch sports. But one thing that's been eye-opening for me is like, there's no baseball right now and I'm, I'm still alive. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah there's, we're doing okay. We're breathing, right? Yeah. And you kind of sit there and you go, okay, so how much do I really need that? Obviously, it's not, you know, essential. It's not absolutely necessary for life that we watch the Rangers or watch the Mavericks or watch the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, sports is one, and you just look at other things that are out there, whether it be you know movie theaters is another thing. It's like uh, we can go watch the, a brand-new premiere of a movie, and movie theaters are just ghost town now. And, right. You know, we can actually probably wait till it comes out on, you know, on DVD. video. DVD. Are those things say, out there still? Yeah, I, I don't know why I was going to say video. Rent them on, like, Blockbuster. I was going to go to Blockbuster. Dude, I miss just... Blockbuster. <laughs> I do. I wish they would bring that back so bad. Uh, no, I'm, I'm okay. Anyways. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we 
it all when they're here, we feel like we we can't do without them. Sports and and movies and the, the shopping, shopping at the malls, it's right? Like, those fill up so much of our pastime. Yeah, and now that they're not here, we have time. And right. yeah, like you said, we're okay. We we don't have to go buy something at the mall just because it's the weekend, right. and you know it, that's just what you do. You don't have to. Right. Right. Another good way to not go to movie theaters is to have five kids because it's like a hundred bucks to go to a movie yeah. with that many kids. Or, or if you have five kids, I think you might get your own theater because they see you coming in. They're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, yeah, not we'll happening. Just, you when, can just have the whole place. Yeah. You know what? You can have my it's popcorn yours. too. I'm out. It's yours. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, these things, and and you men may have something that is in your mind that you're like, oh yeah, before the lockdown and everything else, like this used to be a regular part of my life, and I haven't had it for a while, and you know, actually, I'm I'm doing okay, right? Like maybe the gym. Um, and, uh, no, you should go back to the gym. You should, you should get back in it. Compass active. Um, thank you. Yeah. Just shameless plug. But when it comes to the way that we think about essential activities and what we can do without, and even after things start to open back up and start back up, you know, what are we going to go back to and how much do we really need these things? We have to think differently as Christians about the church. And the danger is, uh, we, at least here for our church, we're coming up this weekend, at least at the time of this recording, at 15 weeks where we have not been able to gather together corporately on campus for a worship service. And we've been doing other things. Certainly there's been videos put out here. Uh, our, our senior pastor, Mike Fabares, is, is putting out uh, videos on every single weekend as well as during the days. Um, our other ministries are putting things out, but it's, it's not the same as all of us gathering together. So it's been 15 weeks. And yeah. I think the fear might be that some of us may have this mindset creep in to say, okay, how much do I really miss the church, yeah. right? Just like sports or shopping or you know, movie theaters or whatever your, your thing that you were thinking of earlier. The church has to not fall into that category. Yeah, and even right now, uh, one thing that we've done here at, at Compass Bible Church is uh, Pastor Mike has encouraged people to watch the sermon together. Um, to, you know, in your small groups where we can meet together, go meet together, because those are the things that, you know, we're, we're, we're built to do, to have relationships, to be in person, to be in fellowship. Those are the things we need. Uh, the scary part of what you just talked about of being able to watch videos or hear podcasts and things like that, we can fall into this lull of like, whoa, that is more convenient. I don't actually have to get out of bed. I don't actually have to drive. And, you know, it saves me time. I just click a video and I can put it on double speed and half listen to it. And I can check the box and say I'm done. Uh, and it appears to be like, cool, because we're calling it church and it's more efficient from a time standpoint. It gives me time to do other things. That's a scary trap to fall in. And the, the way to get out of that is you have to understand what church is all about. You right. have to know from scripture, why do we do church? And if, right. if you don't understand that, then yeah, you can quickly fall into that trap of, this seems convenient. Right. I can call this church because I'm meeting together with people, like-minded people, but it's not church. It's not church as the right. Bible has described church to be and has uh, God has commanded us to, to, to have and enjoy fellowship and love church right. uh, in this word. Right, and there's other things that, that happen in the church that aren't happening right now that are crucial, that are important, that are essential to the church and the identity of the church that don't happen at home in small groups, that don't happen when you're watching online, right? And so let's let's think about some of those. You've got uh, the two main ordinances practice, practiced by the Protestant church are communion and baptism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you may have a tub in your bathroom, but I, I don't want you <laughs> baptizing anybody in that, right? That's That's meant to be done with the church. Absolutely. You're, you're bearing testimony in front of your church family, and yeah. you may have a small group gather together, but when your small group gathers together, 
that's not the full church. That's not the whole church coming together for this purpose, right? Yeah. Same thing when we think about uh, communion, right? That is meant to be observed by the entire church together as an ordinance of the church. So, um, you know, those things are important. The other thing is, is serving, using our spiritual gifts. Right. You know, when we're meeting together as a small group, you know, maybe we've got hospitality on the table there, right? Um, but we're going to watch a, a sermon online. Nobody's serving in kidsmen. Nobody's doing parking. Nobody's doing, mm-hmm. you know, these uh, youth classes or anything else like that, Sunday school classes. Uh, so so there's, there's not that service component where we can exercise our spiritual gifts right now. So those are a couple of reasons why the, the church is essential right now. Yeah, and one other one that, you know, you and I both uh, resonate with is being able to have kids men and being able to yes. enjoy church um, and, and and learn and, and soak in God's Word and hear teaching with you and your wife or just hearing it without the distraction of kids. And, and we love our kids, but, you know, kids men is such a blessing that it's not happening right now. So now you have to find a way to integrate, how do I still get the teaching without having the distraction of my kids? And again, it's easy to fall in that trap of, okay, I'm just going to turn the TV on in the background. I'm going to still entertain and have fun with my kids. And I hear a few things, but again, it's not how church was designed and, right. and we can't fall in love with that. Right. Um, and think that that's what it is moving forward. Right. So here's what we want to do in this episode, man. We want to give you five reasons why when your church regathers, you need to be there. Why when this lockdown for you, wherever you're at in the country, wherever that's lifted and your church says, hey, we're going to start gathering back together as our church body on campus. Here's five reasons why you need to be there. You need to be committed, that you need to see church, uh, not like maybe we're seeing sports right now or, or some of these other things right now. No, you need to see church as essential and that we need to be there in person. First reason right off the bat is this. The church is God's institution. Uh, in other words, the church is not this man-made social club. It's not like the Kiwanis Club or the Elks Lodge or you know the Masons or anything like that. This is not something that, that was created by men that we can go, okay, well, these guys thought it was important, yeah. and maybe it benefited me for a little while, but now I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do something else right now. It's good for them, but it's not necessary for me. Yeah. This is uh, no, this is something that God has instituted that God has created that God has set in place as his institution and, and therefore it is essential for us, right? Right. Yeah, it has to be. And and even in uh you know, I was t- telling you about it earlier just a conversation I was in with a a non-Christian is the way he put it is, "Hey, I'm a non-practicing Christian. I I, I get why people go to church, but you know, Sunday morning I like to rest and relax and uh you know, it, it doesn't quite interest me." Well, the root cause of that is because He's never in his word. He doesn't know his word. He doesn't understand why why church is there. So it'd be like me going to something that, you know, I don't know anything about and sitting through you know, somebody teaching on it. Of course, I'm going to be like, I can find something better to do with my time. But when we see the value and we see the, the essentialness of the church, then that's where we know that it, it has to be there. It's not just a, you know, if you have time, you can go to it. It has to be part of our right. life because God commands it to be part of our life. Right. And what we'll talk about is is, is Christ's sacrifice. Right. Him, his, his life for right. the church. Right, right, exactly. That's Acts 20, 28. Uh, the Apostle Paul there uh, giving instruction to the Ephesian elders says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for, here's the phrase that we're paying attention to, the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And there it is right there, man. The, the church was instituted by God and purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
there is no higher price that could be paid for any institution out there, right? right. This is, I mean, we like to talk about the, our country, right? And our, our country was bought with the lives of, of patriots that fought and battled, and we respect that, and therefore we have a respect for our country. Well, if we can get there, how much yeah. more so when you consider that the church was purchased by the blood of the Son of God, by God, very God, how much more should we value, esteem, cherish, prize, consider essential God's church? No. Uh, it's not something that we invented. It's something that God created, that God instituted, and therefore it's essential that we should be there and be involved. How about the second one? Yeah, second one we go down to what I was just alluding to is the church is the bride of Christ. Um, so Revelation 19, 7 says, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So, and then you also have Ephesians 5, 22 through 32. And just to sum that up, obviously, you know, if you're familiar with your Bibles, you're talking about wives submitting to your own husbands as to the Lord, but then it goes into, for the husband is the head of the, of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And so we're called to love our wives like Christ loves the church, but the, the, the point here is knowing that the, the bride of Christ is the church, right. right? And so we take that out of it and, and see the importance of it. And, um, you know, you, you, I'll, I'll let you share this because I've heard you say it more times than I have, but uh, just the, the comparison and illustration of if you take you and your wife mm-hmm. and talk yeah. to us about that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's like you coming to me and saying, hey, PJ, I, I, I like you a lot and I, I want to be friends with you, but I really don't like your wife. You, you know, Amanda gets on my nerves, and so I don't really want anything to do with her. You know, if, if you come and tell me that, then you and I have problems, right? Because she's my wife. She's my bride. And if you're going to insult her, then you and I have major issues, and, and we're going to be – we're going to have a, a problem where we can't have a friendship at yeah. that point. And yet we do the same thing to the church and to, to Jesus. We're like, hey, Jesus, you know what? I want you. I want to know you. I want to be a friend of you. But, dude, here's all the problems with your bride. Here's all the flaws. Here's mm-hmm. all the issues that I have with the church. And that's why I don't want the church. So, Jesus, can I have you but not have the church? It's like coming up to me and saying, hey, PJ, I want a relationship with you, but I hate your wife. Yeah. And that's not going to go well with me. It's not going to go well with Jesus either, right? Yeah. And in that, that passage in Revelation 19, 7, his bride has made herself ready. That's the church in that scene. The church is there for the marriage supper of the Lamb. We are going to be there. We are going to be betrothed in that ceremony at the marriage supper to Jesus Christ, our Savior, the bridegroom. And then, yeah, in Ephesians 5, where just in, in, in abundantly clear language, Paul compares a, a husband's love for his wife to, to Christ's love for the church. And he even ends there, and he says this mystery is profound, this mystery of a, a, this love, this sacrificial, this cleansing, this justifying love. He says in verse 32, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So why is the church essential for you? It's God's in- institution, number one. And number two, the church is the bride of Christ, yeah. right? So uh, again, we have to love it because Jesus loved it enough to die in order to, to purchase her for himself. Yeah. Amen to that. On that, on that, I'd like just to take a quick little turn. What, because you hear guys to say, you know what, I have this small group and that's my church, um, or I have a couple friends and, and that's my church. What would be your counsel to to that question? Because it comes up a lot, right? Uh, right? Or not, I should say, question or statement. How would you respond to that, just so guys can hear that clearly? Right. I think that the clear evidence that we have in Scripture is the church is manifested in the local gathering of a body of believers together under the authority of a pastor and elders. Right. I think we see that so clearly. And so, uh, you know, that's why we don't look at 
something like Young Life or uh, Campus Crusade for Christ and say, well, that's the church, or that's why we don't look at your home Bible study that you have and say, well, that's the church. Yeah. Um, you know, a church, again, is, is under the authority of a pastor and, and a plurality of elders, as we understand the, the teaching in Scripture, and it, uh, it practices those ordinances of communion and baptism, um, and it's the, the, the gathering together. So uh, people say, well, we don't, you don't see evidence of, of church membership in Scripture in the New Testament. Well, of course you do. Yeah. You see it all over the place, right? You see that, that these people are gathering together, that they're known together. You see even in 1 Corinthians 5, when you've got that problem of the man who's sleeping with his father's wife, and Paul says, look, take this man and discipline him out of the assembly of believers. Well, if you're going to put somebody out, that implies that there's an in, right? right? That implies yeah. that there's a known group that meet together. So yeah, we can't say, well, I've got this group of, of 15 people, and we get together for a Bible study midweek, and that's church for me. No, that's, that may be healthy for you as, as far as just spurring you on towards Christ and challenging, and you may be growing a lot in that Bible study. I'm not saying abandon it, yeah. but that's not church. Right. Um, that's just a, a Bible study, right? Yeah. Third reason. So here's another reason why the church is essential to us and why we have to get back in when our churches open up. Third reason is this. The church is about more than this life. The church is about more than... than Earth, more than your temporal relationships with one another. Revelation 19, 6 through 9 says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. This is uh, this context that we were talking about. This is just fleshed out more. And his bride has made herself ready, the church. It was granted for her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So the scene in eternity, future here, is the church gathered together, worshiping Jesus, gathered together to be betrothed to Jesus. And right now, what we are doing as we gather together here locally on earth is, is we're rehearsing for that. We're getting ready for that. Right. And so these relationships even that we're building are relationships that are going to uh, be there then. Yeah, and it, it takes me to Matthew 12 where you know they, they tell Jesus, hey, your, your mother and your brother are out here and they want to speak to you. And he looks at them and says, who, who, are, who is my mother? Who, who are my brothers? They're right here. Right. I'm speaking to them. I'm, I'm talking to them. And, and uh, you know, I, I know I experienced this, and many of you listeners probably do the same, where you have family members that are non-believers, and it's just sometimes hard to find conversation with them. It's not an excuse. We need to figure it out. We need to get over that hurdle. We can't just say, well, they, they can't connect with me. I'm done because there's work to be done. We need to be able to share Christ with them and, and build that relationship. But it, it is. It's much easier to talk to a brother in Christ and, and have just conversation that's endless. And sometimes we get stuck uh, with the sort of surface level stuff when we talk to non-believers. But again, that's because we share the Holy Spirit. We are we are family. This is our, our true family that's going to be for eternity, not just for this temporal period. Right, right, absolutely. So yeah, the church is about more than just this earth. It's, it's more than just about showing up at a, a physical building on Saturday night, Sunday morning, whenever your church meets. Um, these are relationships that you're investing in that are eternal relationships, and, uh, and that's a wise use of your time. And really, I mean, if, if you don't want to be around God's people now on earth, why do you think you're going to enjoy eternity? Yeah. That's what eternity is going to be. You are going to be around God's people forever, uh, without end. And so, again, if, if we don't enjoy it here and now and we don't want to be a part of this here and now, uh, why are we going to want to be a part of it then? Uh, being a part of it here and now is, is preparation for then. Yep. Um, and it's going to be so much better then because we're going to be together without sin and any of its effects. Fourth reason, 
So, so far, let's uh, just recap. We've got the church is God's institution. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is about more than, than this life, than this earth. And then fourth, the, the fourth reason why it's essential to get back together is the church will be there when others scatter. Yeah. Uh, and so talk to us a little bit about that, Kellen, that idea that the church will be there even when the world abandons us. Yeah. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And as Christians, we, again, we're one big family. We're there for one another. We are to bear one another's burdens uh, because that's what we're designed to do. We have to continue to lift each other up, uh, encourage each other to excel still more while we're here. Because if we try to go out and do it by ourselves, we'll, we'll fail. And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. It's like, you're strong. Go do it by yourself. And as soon as we do, we just get eaten up mm-hmm. right, by the world. So we have to be there for one another. And the, the cool part about, and you hear many testimonies of you know people that have hit rock bottom, and the first person that's there is it just happens to be more often than not as a believer when they're talking about their testimony. Believers there to say, hey, I know all your friends that told you, I'm, I got your back, go do this, rah, rah, rah. They scattered, but I'm here for you, and I'm here to show you the hope that we can have in Christ because Christ has shown it to me. And so, you know, the church is going to be there when when everybody else scatters. When it gets tough, uh, when tribulation hits, people scatter, and they start to go their own ways, but that's where the church really is supposed to come together uh, and be there for one another. Right. In fact, in, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, he, he talks about um, loving one another from a sincere brotherly love, uh, loving one another earnestly from a pure heart. Um, he's talking about this in the context of a church that's being persecuted, uh, a church that's fled into to exile to flee the persecution of Nero at the time. Yeah. And he's telling this church something that's going to be essential to you thriving during this time of exile, um, this this time of persecution as a church, is to love one another. Yeah. Um, and that's hallmark to our relationship as believers, and that's hallmark to what we should be doing as, as the church. You even go back to, to uh, the upper room in John 13, and Jesus is there, and the disciples are gathered there, and Jesus... Uh, takes off his outer garment and he he puts on this he ties up his his robes like a servant he takes the wash basin he gets down and he washes everybody's feet right yep. and afterwards he says if if I my master if I your master did this your, your lord did this so you should do this as well right. right this love this service this compassion this care for one another uh, Paul picks up on it in Philippians two three through four he says do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. You know, man, God understands and understood from eternity past that the church in the midst of a dark world, and certainly we are in the midst of a dark world, is going to face opposition, Mm -hmm. is going to face trial, is going to face tribulation. He understood that Christians, as lights in the midst of darkness, are going to attract opposition, people that want to cover up that light, that people that, that, that hate the light, that don't want to be around Christians. And so as a result, God designed uh, the church. He gave us the church, and praise God he did. He gave us this body, this family, like Cohen's been talking about, to be together, to live together, to serve one another, to say, look, I'm with you on this line. I'm not, I'm not going to give up. I'm not fading away. I'm not going to going to let down my guard. I'm a, I've got your back, and I'm with you on this line until Christ comes back or calls us home. And that's the church, right? Everyone else is going to scatter you. When it becomes hard for them or inconvenient for them, the world will leave you. Yep. The church will still be here. Still be here. Finally, one more. The church has a mission to accomplish, and that involves you. It's another reason why church is essential, why we can't say, dude, I'm good with the, the video sermons. Dude, I'm good with 
Uh, I haven't been to church in 15 weekends, and so I'm and I'm fine. So I don't really need it. No, you do need it yeah. because God needs you to be a part of His mission. Yeah, and even when we get back to church, um, if you haven't been serving, go find a place to serve. God has given each one of us gifts for a reason, not for us to go out and make a lot of money, not for us to go out and you know try to get certain accolades or you know extra letters behind our names, but he's given us gifts to be able to use for his kingdom. Uh, in, in whether that's parking lot ministry, whether that's tech, whether that's worship team, whether that's preaching from the platform, like everybody has individual gifts that, that make up the body. Uh, and everybody can't be a preacher. Everybody can't be, you know, you know some of these roles that, you know, you, you think that I want to do that because it gets to all the glory. Because at the end of the day, we want to give God the glory. Right. So that's what we're focused on. And that's why God is using us to build the church, to have the church body. So, yeah, serving is a huge key that I would just say that's the, the thing I'm most excited about or one of the things I'm most excited about when we get back together is just to go serve the right. body of Christ, go out right. into the community and continue to serve. Right, and that, that's kind of the, that internal mission for the church is, yeah, we're, we're, the church is a platform for us to use the giftedness that the Lord has provided so that we can glorify Christ in our lives with one another. But the other reason that, that we have a mission is that external mission, and that's Matthew 28, right, 18 through 20, the Great Commission. Jesus came and said to them, all authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He reiterates this mission then in Acts 1.8, when he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Uh, The church as designed by God, as instituted through the the purchase of the blood of Christ on the cross is meant to be an outward organism. It's meant to be a growing organism. It's not meant to be inward. It's not meant to be your holy huddle with the people that you like and that you don't want anything to change. And this is my church and don't go changing anything in my church. No, a church that's dynamic, a church that's doing what God wants it to do is a church that's that's growing because it's a, a church on mission to reach the lost. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's, and that's, that's not the job of just the pastors or the ministry leaders or, uh, you know, the, the, the people that have the, the gift of evangelism. That's, that's everybody's job. Mm-hmm. You, we've talked about this. How many times? We've talked about this so many times on this podcast, right, yeah. man? You have a mission field. You have a mission field at work that's distinctly yours. It's not your pastors. It's yours. It's not your neighbors. It's yours. It's not your small group leader. It's yours because you're there. You have a mission field in your neighborhood. Same thing, not your pastors, not your neighbors, not your small group leaders. It's yours because that's where God has put you. And he wants you to be a part of his mission as a part of the church to see his church grow, to see it continue to expand, to push back the darkness uh, as much as we can before Christ comes back for his bride. So yeah, is the church essential, Kellen? Yeah, I think so. After all this, um, it's essential. So Trump was right when he said that. Uh, Okay. (laughs) You guys were waiting. You guys were like, dude, this podcast is called The Church is Essential. When are you going to get there? Yeah. It, yeah, but it's essential not because the president said it's right, essential. Right. It's essential because God said it's essential. Right. And that's all that matters. Right. It's his institution. It's the bride of his son, Jesus Christ. It's about more than this life, this earth. It's going to be here when everybody else abandons you, and it has a mission to accomplish, and you are integral to the accomplishment of that mission. So when your churches open up, men, I want to make sure that you are going to be first in line to give back. If, if you have a family at home right now, if, you, if you're married, you've got kids, I want to see that you are leading them, that you are even preparing them right now, that you are getting them ready so that when they go back, they're going to be excited that they're looking forward to this, that this is not inconvenient to go back to church. Mm-hmm. No, but this is something that is 
essential for us, and it's so good for us to gather together as the church. So be thinking that way, praying that way, uh, engage that way, have that mindset, and man, let's pray that, that the, the churches will be able to gather together soon and that we will go out and make a, a major impact in our country because right now, men, they need the message of the hope of Jesus Christ through the gospel. We'll be praying for you towards that end this week.